great future. We're talking real money. Oh my gosh, it's 2024 already? How did it get to 2024 already? Wasn't it just like 2020 a couple of days ago? Didn't we just have a presidential election? Are we having another one already? <laughs> He's shaking his head. Absolutely no words are going to come out of Tom. No, I, we will at some point this year talk about the impact of presidential elections on your portfolio. Okay, That's it. That's, That's all coming. we're going to talk about. That's a, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. Don McDonald here. Once a Republican. Seriously, for most of my life. So don't give me a hard time. Tom Cock. Over there, still a Republican, has I'm been big most lefty. of his life. You read huh? the reviews. You read the reviews. We're big lefties. So I know we're big. We're not. Uh, apparently so. I, I have been. I have been a, a a a fiscally conservative Republican for a long, long, long time, with a hint of libertarianism, but not a ton. Uh, anyway, we're not getting into politics. I'm sorry. Let me let me step back a little. Stepping back. Uh, today, we're going to talk about you and your money and your stocks. And how much you own. It's interesting, Tom. There was a big, the, the, the crash that still resonates with people historically is the crash of 1929, which is now almost 100 years ago. It's 95 say, years ago. You're one of the few people that can remember it, though. There's a difference there. Well, there's a difference. Yeah. Sound young for my age, don't I? <laughs> uh, in 1929, when the stock market collapsed and all these little people supposedly lost a lot of money, well, the reality was only about 10% of Americans owned stock in 1929. And very most of them borrowed. In, yeah, borrowed very few people owned. invested. A lot of leverage. A lot of, a lot that's of leverage. That's why people are jumping. Yeah. A lot of leverage and a lot of, of just fake playing the market. Yeah, they would exactly. go to, to storefronts, shops. to bucket yeah. shops, and they mm. would pretend to buy and sell stocks and somebody would just, it, it was like off track betting. You, you didn't actually, except you didn't actually place a bet at the track. Uh, or it's like a bookie. It's more like a bookie. Yep, yeah, that's the exactly. best analogy. It's yep. like a bookie. It was a stock market bookie, but now, now we own stocks. Lots. Almost 60% of us. I, and wow. by the way, going back to that 1929, situation. I still think that's why many people view the stock market as a win big or lose it all proposition. It's it's I'm going to hit gold or it's going to be zero. That's my take that that goes way back to there. Yeah, there's new numbers out. It's pretty fascinating. It's 58% of households owned stocks in 2022. That's up from 53% in 2019. And um this is a new record high. Now they're talking about a lot of smaller investors, people that got into apps like Robinhood, right? We're not huge fans of Robinhood because I don't like people buying and selling things. I prefer them to buy and hold them. But they there's there's a lot of suggestion that people. I mean, look at the numbers in retirement accounts. It's way 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 up there. The number of people that hold stocks in retirement accounts. Why would you do that? Why would you? And by the way, our friends at Stacking Benjamins, their number is uh, 61%. I looked them up. They think 61% of Americans own stocks. They had a couple of interesting numbers. Um, this is from Stacking Benjamins. They say average annual returns 2001 through 2020, the S&P 500, 7.5%. The average investor, 2.9%. Uh, there's a pretty big delta there that because back to the whole thing of 
I got into this, I got out of this, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I, I jumped into the market. It looked good. I wanted to be in Tesla. Uh, and then now, wait, didn't look I so gotta, good. I got to stop you for a second. Yeah. You did something you, you yell at me for doing sometimes. Yes. Using stop me. big words that people Uh-oh. don't understand. Which one did I do? Delta. Oh, pardon me. The difference. I shouldn't have said yeah. that's not very nice, but, yeah. um, well, but you know, the people go, what the heck? That's an airline. Yeah. Or it's, it's an airline. The, you know, it's the, yeah. it's the, it's where that's the Nile right. ends. That's a very poor choice of words. No, I thank you for, for saying that. Yeah, the, that's a, that's an inside baseball is, kind of it word. It is very much so. So I made myself sound smart, but I really, according to Mark Cuban, I'm stupid for using word like that. So I get <laughs> well, of course, we 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 hang on every word Mark Cuban says. Yeah, I'm sitting around all day yeah. just waiting for him to I tweet. I want to hear wisdom from Mark Cuban. You it's kind of like he's number two to Elon Musk. I, you know, if I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. to somebody for wisdom, it's Elon, then Mark. Yeah, craziness scale. Uh, so, okay, but you can run the number yourself, 7.5 minus 2.9. So if it was 2.5, it would be 5%. So a little less than 5% difference in between what you made just holding the S&P 500 versus what you made as an average investor. That's not the purpose of today's podcast. The purpose of today's podcast is for those of you who do not own stocks or for those of you who do, how should you own them? Where should you own them? How should be this done properly rather than through an app of some kind that's encouraging, and we know they do, they still have the lights and all the rest of the stuff at Robin Hood when you make a oh, trade. Oh, yeah, it's all and pretty. Yeah, it's all yeah, nice. Yeah. Gets you all excited. Because I thought we'd just go through a few of the things that we would strongly urge you to do should you want to own stocks. And again, the reason I think you should own them is done properly. You've made more than bonds and real estate, right? Done properly. They've created long-term wealth, certainly, um, at, a, at a pretty good clip. And done properly, you can get your money when you need it. You don't have to wait six months, a year, whatever. So my first take on all this, Don, always is start at the beginning. And this is mistakes I still see people make regularly. Investing in an IRA is different than investing in a Roth. It's different than investing in a 401k, 403b. And it's different than investing in a brokerage account. Those Each of those accounts get treated differently from a taxation standpoint. If you're going to be an investor, you need to have the basic understanding of that. And you could type in any of them online, right? Individual retirement account, Roth individual retirement account, 401k, 403b, and brokerage. You need to, that, you got to at least know the basics there, correct? Right. I agree. Okay. And then okay. part yes. two of this is the other mistake we still see, just saw somebody bring in their portfolio yesterday, is the fact that people still believe owning stocks means I need to pick the stocks. Or conversely, have somebody pick them for me. Interesting fact, it bedded in the stock ownership uh, information from the Fed, is that uh, currently direct individual stock ownership in this country, this is not mutual funds, owning stocks directly, is 21% of Americans own stocks directly. That is a dramatic increase uh, from 15% in 2022, and it's the highest level since the early 2000s when it was also 21%. Which, if you remember What does that, that tell yeah, you? That when things were going a little crazy as they've gone the end of this year, 
people think they need to go buy the Magnificent Seven, right? Or whatever the thing was, the Nifty 50 in the 60s, whatever those individual equities were that have been hot, have been hot. They think they need to own those. Conversely, I still think all you need to do, and this is so simple, so easy. I think you could pick one of two exchange traded funds and never have to do anything. You never have to read the Wall Street Journal, pay attention to Bloomberg, listen to Mark Cuban or maybe Elon Musk. I think this will do it for you. Buy Tesla. Buy Tesla, sell Amazon, whatever it is. Here are two, two exchange traded funds I think you could own. One is AVGE. This is the Avantis Global Equity Fund. It uh, It's 0.23 to the own. All Equities ETF yeah. is what it's called. And it, 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 I think, does a pretty good job reflecting the overall market as well as having sort of a tilt, if you will, to the academic uh, peer-reviewed approach of holding smaller and more value-oriented stocks. But if you'd prefer to go with a longer a firm that's been around longer, although the fund is newer, you could use Dimensional's product, DFAW. I believe I have that correct. That's their version of basically the same thing. Remember, we looked into this recently because it came up. Yeah, Dimensional World Equity ETF. Again, you own a global uh, portfolio, big companies, small companies. You got a little value in there, all those things. You never have to do anything with it. You just buy it and hold it. It's a great, I think either of these funds would be terrific in somebody's Roth IRA. If the amount is relatively small, you don't have to worry about it. It just goes in there and you don't, I can, I still can't believe that it's 20 odd percent of Americans that directly own individual equities. I find that troubling in many ways. Yeah, it's 20. Now there is some overlap between individual equity ownership and mutual fund ownership. You can see that in the number of, of total, uh, as you mentioned, stock ownership is 61%. 52% own mutual funds. So if we've got 21% that own individual stocks, you've got um, you've got about 9% who just own stocks. Yeah. I mean, and just again, own stocks. And that's kind of scary. It is. And it leads to some really bad results. It also leads to, I think, bad behaviors because people, if they get a lucky strike, they think they're smarter than everyone else and they do that. If they lose a lot of money, then they think, wait, I don't want to invest in stocks because it loses money, which even a globally diversified portfolio, as we learned in 2022, will from time to time go down. It's about one out of every four years. Right. So, But the whole portfolio goes down, but it can't go away. You see, that's the difference between owning individual stocks and owning an AVGE or the DFAW is it is so close to impossible. It I, You can't even measure how close to impossible it is. The space is so tiny. It's molecular. There is, I wish I could say no chance, but I'm not allowed to. But for all intents and purposes, there is pretty close to no chance you can lose everything in a massively diversified fund like these two. Bear in mind, these funds own U.S., international, small cap, large cap, emerging markets. They own how many stocks are there together on the planet? You know, 13,000 13, now. publicly traded. Yeah, I mean, so, they probably yeah. own 10,000 all yeah. together. I don't know, but it's a lot. And that it's alleviates the risk of complete loss. You're correct. Well, let's put it this way. It hasn't happened yet. In investing, if it hasn't if, happened yet, oh, I can't. What? I mean, that's truth. Okay, but 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 let's assume for a minute 
someday it happens. I, I mean, really, keep some cyanide pills in your drawer. What are you, you going to want to be around for, right? Yeah, you're yeah. not going to want to be around. Do you really think the world of Walking Dead looks like fun? Thankfully, I don't watch that, so I, I'm just going to say no. Yeah, so, good enough. Anyway, so, yes, you should invest in. Glad stocks. you own them. Yeah, I'm glad you own them. No, you should not own individual equities, and yes, you should own a huge bucket of thousands of companies. It's the best that we know over the long haul. That's good advice, Tom. <laughs> same, I'd, I'd give you the same, so therefore it must be good. All right, finally. All right, yeah. so question time. Yeah, this, I got some good ones here. Um, this comes from Bruce in Muckleteo, Washington. I have money with Fidelity, and I'm thinking about the following exchange-traded funds. For my equities, he's looking at F. D-E-M, that's the Fidelity Emerging Markets Multi-Factor Fund. F-I-V-A, the Fidelity International Value Factor Fund. F-D-L-O, that is the Fidelity Low Volatility Fund. And F-S-M-D, the Small Mid-Cap Multi-Factor Fund. What do you think? Well, these these are Fidelity's answer to ah, Dimensional and Avantis. You broke the code there, sir. They are, and that's where the word factor comes in. Um, Which is what is a factor? What the, we had to these are the, what the, would it be? The, the this this I believe I believe isn't this the Fama French term that they it came is. up with the factors of of return. They did. Uh, that there is a value factor. There is a small cap factor. There is a volat or uh, a Low profitability vol. factor, yep. a momentum factor. That's right. Yep. And there's another one. Things that drive stock prices in certain ways that they believe you can look back over a long period of time and say they've had an impact yeah. on returns. Yeah. Here's my struggle with these, with the <laughs> yes. public. No offense to any of you. You're bright people. Thank you for listening. We get it. If you're going to make a mistake, oftentimes it's a mistake with a fund like this. Let me give you an example. A fund like the low volatility fund, there are going to be many times when that performs far different than the S&P 500, right? It'll happen. It's happened. And you're going to look at that and say, wait, that fund has lost 20%, 15 whatever it is, while the S&P 500 is up 30%. Why do I own that fund? And then you're going to make a move that is going to be costly to you. You're going to sell it. You're going to buy something that's been hot lately. These funds have built, I, I think they're good funds. I believe in factor investing, but I think most of the time, with a rare exception, they should be used by somebody that does this professionally. No offense. But I see people making yeah, particularly when you're dealing something. with uh, with with a number of them. You're trying to build a portfolio of Correct. them. Uh, you know, a total market factor based fund makes sense, like the AVUV or the DFAW, like we just talked about. Uh, the the fidelity, and this is the other thing about the low volatility. Well, it's low vol. It it has been low volatility. Exactly. Yeah. Does that mean it will continue to be low volatility? Well, let's think about it. the number one holding in the low volatility portfolio is? at Fidelity is Apple. Yeah. Okay. Followed by Microsoft. Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, followed by Alphabet. Three of the followed Magnificent Followed by Eli Seven. Lilly. That's not in the Magnificent Seven, but okay. J.P. Yeah. Morgan Chase, United yeah. Health Group, Visa. Yeah. All of these companies have, just not recently, have had some very hard times. 
uh, incredible Apple. <laughs> At one point in Apple's life, it was nearly bankrupt. Microsoft went through a period of price volatility. Uh, everybody can. So just because they have been low volatility doesn't mean they will be. And one of my beefs with a portfolio like this is that it's only 124 stocks. Wow. And they're all thin. large cap. Yeah, and they lean growth. Yeah. I mean, again, for me still is it takes a level of sophistication. I'd rather just see you in the more vanilla uh, index type of funds. I think you'll do Unless better in the long haul. you're dealing with a professional yeah, right. who we creates a portfolio yeah. specific to you and, yes, right, and then manages it for you and manages your expectation and manages your emotions. Thank you, because that's what it's going to come down with for most people who use yep. these kind of funds. It will be hard. Yep. You'll get tracking, what they call tracking air, where one thing the, is doing this, another is doing completely different. Hard to The follow. most important role a advisor serves is the role that very few advisors are willing to take on. Most people who call themselves financial advisors are really just telling you, they just want to tell you what's hot and what's not. They want to push a product. They just want to, they want to be stock jockeys or market jockeys. The, the best advisors are more like a psychologist than a stock jock. They're the people who recognize our weaknesses, our emotions, yours in particular, and help you manage those. Because without someone doing that, we know that people are emotional messes when it comes to investing. They're willing to utter that word where you put your tongue against the back of your teeth. I think it's no. No, no, yeah, my tongue no. goes nowhere near the back of my teeth. Well, that's when I no, say no. No, I, no, no, like that. Maybe that's why you need to no. be more emotive. No, anyway, Round, okay. it's rounded. No, <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have another one or not? I do, yeah. Well, okay. I'll try to do this quickly because I know we're running, we're no, right, we're not we're running right, too long. Okay. okay, uh, this comes from Pete in Cortland, New, uh, New York. Uh, Tom and Don, I'm definitely right, Pete, retiring in four years at age 62. Good for okay. you. Good for you. All of my investments are in my 401k, diversified across Vanguard funds, list those, you know, S&P, small cap, et cetera, et cetera. Custodian is Fidelity. I'd like to take the money out of the plan and put it in my own IRA. For the sake of my wife and adult children, I'd like to keep the IRA simple. I think that's good. With two funds at most invested in a balanced portfolio of 65% stock, 35% bond, because that matches my risk tolerance in retirement fairly well. The portfolio should be worth slightly north or south of a million dollars, barring any major drawdowns. Mm -hmm. For many years, I would use Vanguard's Wellington, which is a tried and true workhorse that matches my allocation in one fund. So Wellington is about 60-40, I think, correct? It is. Some, yes, somewhere it around is. There. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, I'm open to suggestions. I see Avantis has an ETF that's moderate in allocation, includes bond funds, ticker symbol AVMA. We'll have to look that one up. I'm not totally familiar with their balance fund. What other bond fund might I combine to put me closer to the 6535? Any other portfolio ideas? I like the target. I find the target date funds at Vanguard to be too conservative. And like I said, I want to stick with one or two funds permanently moving forward. Well, you could just do a VT and a BND. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. So you put the sixty-five percent so in the VT, thirty-five percent in BND, and get on with your way. Exactly. I would rather not own the Wellington. It's actively managed. It's actively managed. It's going to be a little more expensive. Yep. Um, and so, and I don't. 
they may have had great performance. I don't know, but I, it wouldn't be a fund that if I woke up tomorrow, I would use. So I would rather see you do use those too. Sure. Although I think really he's, I think he's got something here with AVMA. That's the a Avantis, balance. The, aval- the a balance. Avantis moderate allocation ETF is, um, 33% fixed income. There you go. That's pretty darn close. Yeah. 33% fixed income and about 70% equities uh, with... Uh, well, 67%, but okay. Six, well, I'm saying about, you know, rounding. Um, and let me just see how big the portfolio... Let's see. Oh, okay. It's just a fund of funds. Yeah. So they use their U.S. equity fund, their core fixed income. Yeah. what? It's got emerging. It's got a small value tilt. Um. So you're going to have more of the small and value stocks than you would in in right. and Victor and, and, and Thomas. And yeah. since he was talking about how he didn't want to be as conservative as the target date funds, that may make this a very because it is a little riskier. But and the expense ratio, how much for for a balanced portfolio that has a tilt like this from twenty point two five point two one two one yeah. Very wow. fair fee. Great. I think I think either of those choices would be good. I'm and it them. accomplishes it with one fund. That's the point. That's Bing. the point. You don't have to rebalance. You don't have to think about the nope, portfolio. They do it. It's there every day. And boy, to get that at 0.21, that's ridiculous. That really is good. So well done, sir. All right, sir. Now we've reached another conclusion of another podcast that we're so glad you're a part of. And we hope, hope, hope in this new year that you spread the good word, the cheer that comes with a with an addition, with an episode of Talking Real Money, the podcast. And those of you who still make New Year's resolutions, I know the number, the number's getting smaller. I asked at the staff meeting the other day. we don't keep like, them. What, what is that? Um, and I have what a few. That? You can guess what they are. But um, for those of you who say, I'm going to clean up my finances as part of this, we have a great opportunity for you. We've got advisors that will help you with whatever your situation is. We have wonderful software. We're taking all of your portfolio and help you understand how balanced you are, how much risk you're taking, how much you're paying others. And then for those who want it more, we've got some of the best planning tools around to help you move from work to retirement. And guess what? We give you an hour of our time absolutely for, I just talked to a 25-year-old the other day. Here's your 401k. Get on with your life. Um, we give you that time absolutely free. Easy to do. You just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor. TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on Meet an Advisor. It's that simple. I can't, I can't add anything. You got that right. Finally. Every bit of it right. I guess that's it. All right. 2024 is the end. We made it. We crossed the finish line. Tom got it all right. Thank you all for being there. And thank you, Tom, for being there and doing it. Stop it. I'm done along with Tom. And, you know, I'm proud to be talking real money. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast were current on the date. Okay. Uh, opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast is 
does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.